Successful Performer Cast, Episode 21. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everyone, this is Chris Shepard, your host. Thanks for listening to the Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews successful entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. Have you joined our email list? This is a great way to be notified every time a new episode breaks. Go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com to sign up today and never miss an episode. Also, I'd love to know what you guys are thinking about the show. Uh, please feel free to participate in the comments on the show notes pages. You can find those at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. And also feel free to drop me a line. You can uh, reach me through my email at ks at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com. So please drop me a line. Let me know what you guys think. Now, let's get to the good stuff. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show one of the craziest and most original performers I've ever seen. Bizarro is a stage magician living in Las Vegas, drawing inspiration from acts like Penn & Teller and Rudy Kobe. He's performed coast to coast, appeared countless times on television, and has worked with the likes of musicians Meatloaf and Rob Cantor. Bizarro is very skilled in constructing strange and unusual props for his act and the acts of others, and also offers creative direction and coaching in general for others' acts in order to make them better performers. To him, normal is just a setting on the dryer. Bizarro, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you on here as a guest tonight. Uh, well, thank you for, uh, for asking me to do this. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Hopefully, so, I can, hopefully I can add something to it all. Hey, I, I bet you can. <laughs> So we we like to start off with a little bit of uh, inspiration here at the beginning. Do you have a favorite success quote or a a mantra that you like to live by? Uh, well, yes, and it's and it's not necessarily for uh, it's just for your life in general. Uh, and it's from a song that I really like. It's uh, "Be Whoever You Are." Okay. Yeah, it's very very short, very simple. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, could you maybe give us an example in life of how that uh, has helped you in your in your career? Uh, well, I mean, uh, my whole show, I stick to pretty much stuff that makes sense to me and things that uh, that I am familiar with, and it helps me stand out from other people. Like, I have a whole routine in my show where I uh, bring a bag of Doritos to life. Uh, nacho cheese Doritos because those are the only Doritos I like, and I was like, wouldn't it wouldn't it be really funny if Doritos would come to life? And so you know, because I like them so much, I just went, ah, eh, what the heck? So I created this weird routine, and uh, you know, I've told other people that all the time. It's like find the things that make you unique and that make you who you are, and use them. And that's and it's also it just also being fake is also just is not a good recipe for for uh, for having a happy life either. Right, and people could see right through it, and uh, oftentimes the uh, only person you're fooling is yourself. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. So you said that's by a song. Who is that from? Uh, it's uh, it's uh, the lead singer of the band Cowboy Mouth out of New Orleans. He had some solo albums, and uh, that was the name of the one of the songs that he put out on one of those albums. Cool. Love it, man. <laughs> 
So, Bizarro, could you bring us into your journey into how you discovered magic or how it discovered you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a dark alleyway and it found me. Uh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Ah! I, was, uh, I was six. I, well, at least that's what I say. I mean, it's, it was somewhere between five and seven. I just said six. I, mean, I don't know the specific year, but uh, there was my parents had found this, uh, got me this like Fisher Price magic kit thing that they only sold for a couple of years and it was this big black box had colorful doors on it had like a wand that when you'd when you'd push on it a flower would come out of it and all this stuff and so huh. uh, it was it was a really yeah if you look it up if you look up fisher prize magic kit you could find it and they had a whole magic series that was popular for a while and it was kind of a it wasn't close up it was all kind of parlor stage based it was all to encourage standing up and performing and that's 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 what i blame uh <laughs> <laughs> for getting me into it wow. uh, was that. And then I just kind of kept going with it. Yeah. You know, that that actually sounds kind of familiar because me personally, you know, I, I also got a a, uh, a magic set. But did that did that have uh, something with uh, uh, with like a magical drawer that you would put something into and slide it through the thing and it would vanish or something like that? Or? Yeah, it was on the side, a big yellow slider drawer. And then it was also <laughs> the colored doors at the top. You could move the floors. Like you could make something move from the red door to the blue door. And sometimes if you move the little levers right, it would fall down into the drawer box in the bottom. So you could be like, look, it has vanished from all of the do- doors. And look, it's down here at the bottom somehow. I, I have to say, I, I think you are sending me on a scavenger hunt. I'm going to have to go <laughs> go find one of those and uh, and reclaim it somehow. <laughs> Somebody, uh, some company, I remember seeing it like a Hobby Lobby of all weird things, was they had, uh, somebody had remade it to look like a castle. It was weird. It wasn't Fisher-Price. Somebody had taken the design and just remade it into like this cheap <laughs> plastic castle. And I saw it and I went, oh, that's weird. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, that that sounds uh, pretty awesome. So, but the the weird thing about that kit is the two of my the two of my close magician friends back in Texas, we all had that same that same kit. I mean, this thing was this thing I think was instrumental in affecting a lot of people at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, how did your uh, um, act develop or whatever? Did you did you ever have like a quote unquote real job? Uh, not really. I mean, okay. everything I've ever done, I've tried to stay in the entertainment business. The closest thing to a real job I ever had was working in a magic shop. And in my opinion, that's not a real job. <laughs> yeah, I can see what you're talking about on that. Yeah. So how did you how did you make it work for yourself? I mean, you're you're clearly making a living doing what you're doing. Uh, I moved to Vegas <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> uh, I just kept at it. Like I was, I also, but I work, I started working a really niche market and in the, in originally where I'm from is Texas down in Dallas area. And there was, we had a, I like to work bars and nightclubs and live music venues. And, uh, that was, that's not exactly an easy venue to work. And, but since I was 16, when I, from when I was 16, I started working down in the bar scene in Dallas mm-hmm. doing stuff between bands and everything. And I, that's what I always liked doing. And uh, it right. just, but it's very hard to make a living in a entertainment wise in a place like Dallas or the South in general, especially if you're a, a, a weirdo like <laughs> like me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. When I but when I moved here, things picked up quite a bit. I made better connections. I, I got on more stages. I got in front of people. Uh, I created a few products that people liked, and uh, it just kind of went from there. But I mean, I had some. Any, you know, I've, I've talked about this in other places. Uh, before it's like, like if you really this what we do is not for everybody you really have to want it and you have to sacrifice a number of things to 
to chase your dreams. The sure. things like things like nice places to live, or or <laughs> or cars, or goats. You know, you have to make sacrifices. <laughs> So tell me, how many goats have you sacrificed, Bizarro? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Probably better that I don't, don't sacrifice goats. Virgins, on the other hand. Hey, there you have it. Hey, anyway. No. So uh, did you encounter any resistance from family and friends as you were you know, trying to take your passion into what you do for a living? Other than my friends making fun of me for trying to be a magician, no. <laughs> Another sacrifice, right? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it was all in good fun. But uh, no, actually, I was one of the fortunate ones who had uh, who had uh, parents who were very willing to help out. Like, I could not – I didn't have a car for a very, very, very long time. And so I had friends and my parents because I wasn't – I didn't really have extended family close. I didn't hang out with them a lot. So it was pretty much just me and my parents. Uh, and they helped me get to gigs, and my my friends would help me get to gigs and stuff. And uh, the, on those days, I didn't. I, I could ride the bus or uh, take the dart rail down in uh, Dallas. So it was uh, it's it was a very lo- rough life for two years. I, I couch surfed on a guy's couch, and that was crazy. So yeah, it's it uh, it can take a lot out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how long have you been out in uh, Vegas now? Over five years, five and a half actually. I guess now. Yeah, could could you could you maybe talk a little bit about what it was like when you first moved there and you were trying to hot. kind of get things rolling? It was rolling? hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, year round over there, so. <laughs> uh, actually, it gets pretty dang cold out here in the winter. Believe it or not, it's because yeah, okay. the because desert, desert weather, yeah. right? Yeah, it's crazy. Like we've had snow briefly. <laughs> it, you look it up happens. and blink, and then it's gone, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, when I first moved out here, I was actually really fortunate. I fell in like like I. I, I'm not as dumb as I look. Before I moved out here, I came out uh, to the World Magic Seminar Convention when that was still going on back in 2008, and this was in April. So I moved okay. out here. I came out here to kind of make connections, meet people, warn them I was moving out here and everything. And so I uh, I, met, I made some connections and some friends while I was out there, and so that way I had a place to land when I came out. Uh, I had uh, I had a and thing and at the writer a month before I moved out here Jeff McBride had started up his Wonderground venue, right. and so at the the first week within the first week of moving here I was already on on that stage on a stage performing so people got to see who see me and who I was, cool. and and the thing about Vegas and I, I've told a bunch I've told people about this if they're gonna if you're gonna move to Vegas you have to have your your stuff together you have to have material you have to have an act some sort of act or acts. Uh, uh, and you have to be fairly proficient. You can't come out here and expect to start. You have to have already started somewhere else or else it's just it, – this is not the place to be new. It's really rough. And so thankfully I came out here with all my silent stuff. But because the venue – like the vibe of Vegas is much different than the vibe of Texas, uh, I my stuff evolved very fast because Wonderground at that time was every weekend. So I got to perform every weekend and cut out stuff that didn't work, bring in things that did and everything. So I was very fortunate uh, to have that opportunity. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> or lucky, if you want to call it. Uh, luck, uh, fortunate, fortunate, whatever. Well, yeah. But, you know, they, they do say that uh, oftentimes luck is where preparation meets opportunity. And you were right. obviously prepared. Mm. So and, and you bring up a good point that – you don't want to move to Vegas if you're going to start. You you do have to have some good solid material going for you already. Right. And you should I mean if you move anywhere, you should have material. Even if it's not Vegas, but Vegas especially, but you should really go somewhere where you can walk in and just be like, Hey, how's it going? I'm new here. Bam. And they're just like, Holy <laughs> crap, where'd this person come from? 
There you go. So I, I guess uh, another way to put it is uh, the best place to start if you are starting out would be right where you are. Indeed. Nice. So I, I, I would uh, like to hear from you. Um, you know, we, we always uh, come across times where we're learning something. You know, we, we might have an opportunity where something happens or uh, something unexpected. Um, I, I was hoping you could uh, maybe tell us about a failure that you've had. Uh, I, that, that, I, I don't ever, I mean, it's hard to say because I don't look at something as, I don't ever see things as a complete failure because, right. you know, you, you learn from, you learn more from your failures than from your successes. And I'm not, and I'm not somebody who like, who gives up. It's like, okay, well, let's try again. You know, that didn't work. Let's try another method. So, I mean, I've, I've never had any major failures. I've had things that didn't work out, but, the, but also I don't see them as like life crushing failures because. Right, but failure is too strong a word, in my opinion. <laughs> so, uh, take us into a, a particular learning moment that you've had. Then, uh, when I well, when I first moved out here, we were did we, st- we I had uh, I was doing my own show at the Harley Davidson Cafe, and it was rough because the venue didn't want to help us. They didn't want to help us advertise. The only advertising we had was out front on the street with us doing street magic and stuff. And uh, because of, I mean, sometimes I was doing a 45-minute silent act for two people, and that was hard. That was very, yeah. You know, I would not consider that run a success. The, you know, we had a three-month contract, so they couldn't get rid of us. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned a lot from it. But it was, it was definitely not what I would. I would, I did not walk away going, "All right, we rocked it, woo!" You know, that was great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we, uh, we've. So in a situation like that, yes, I mean, I can definitely say that was that was a downfall. Where it was like, oh, this town sucks because <laughs> small shows suffer hard here, and we learned that the hard way mm. uh, from that. And so, but you know, we again, I walked away and went, okay, well, I know what not to do. Don't do shows at restaurants because they don't care; they don't need you there. <laughs> right, right. It's it's funny because uh, it's one of the things I do is I, I work restaurants, and it all depends on your material and your character and stuff too, doesn't it? Well, in Vegas, it's different than other places. Like, I, and I, I used to say this all the time. If you're in Vegas and you say to somebody, they, what do you do? You say, oh, I'm a magician. They just go, they look at you and they go, oh. And it's like you've told anybody anywhere else in the world you're an accountant. <laughs> because being a magician here is not an unusual thing. True story. So to have a, to have a magic show in any, any venue in Vegas is like, oh, another damn magic show. So it's out, out here is a different animal. Like I had a friend in, uh, in Dallas. His name was Chris Lyle. And he had an entire. He he used to do it walk around, and he had a stage show two or three times a day at a pizza at a well known pizza place called Crystal's Pizza, and he did great there. And he had he had the, they paid him to do new magic. I mean, he had a he had a golden setup, even though it was a rough it was a rough venue sometimes. But it's the, yeah, there are, there are definitely places where doing magic in restaurants better than others. Uh, my friend Kyle Marlette had a show at a place out here, and when I did it as a guest spot, it was rough. It was oh, rough. Man. He did okay because of his material. But well, like you were talking about, definitely material can be a factor. But but in general, in Vegas, it's a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember who said it. Probably uh, a bunch of people. But uh, if you throw a rock in Vegas, you hit five magicians before it hits the ground, right? And a juggler. <laughs> and a juggler. <laughs> All right. Well, Bizarro, can you uh, tell us about one of your biggest successes? Um, I would say the most, my most recent run here of doing, uh, uh, working with meatloaf actually was probably one of the more, one of the larger career highlights I've had in, a, in, a, in quite some time. Uh, cause you know, my original goal was to 
like work with or open for bands. But unfortunately, I got into the business at a time when that wasn't a thing anymore. Like the 70s and 80s, that was huge. They had yeah. comedians, magicians. They had all variety acts opening for bands. That 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 started going away around the 90s. And so I got in a little too late. But, you know, there have been uh, back in the late 90s, I got to open for the band Tripping Daisy when they were still around. And I got to perform with Meatloaf. And so that's because I always wanted to work in the music business side of things, doing that stuff. Uh, that was that was great because I got to be on stage with a rock and roll show and do what I like and get paid to do it and be treated like a like like one of the family. It was great. Um, <laughs> and you got to see a lot of awesome bands too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's one of my big things. Like the music scene in Dallas was great. I got to see all sorts of great bands and work on stage with a lot of great unknown bands uh, to the most pub to, to the general public, the unknown bands, but. Uh, but yeah, so it's that anytime I've gotten to do that, it's made my, uh, it's, it's definitely been a high point, uh, for me. And, you know, I've, I'm always working towards new goals. Like I, I can, I can honestly say that I have accomplished pretty much most of the goals I've set forth for myself in my life for, for my career, which means one of two things, either my goals are too easy. Uh, oh, <laughs> I need new goals. And the newest one is to try to get, uh, the newest one is to try to get on more foreign television, like uh, Cabaret du Monde in France and a few of the other shows that are overseas because television in the U S sucks. They don't care about us. So I'd like to, <laughs> I want to go where a variety acts are appreciated. Sure. Yeah. It makes sense. And it, it really does seem like your particular style of stage magic would really lend itself well to the, the, uh, the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, it, it exists that way for that reason. Like it's my it's silent and visual because I had to work in bars. And if you if you work in bars and talk, people can like they don't have to look at you, to, but they can listen to you and ignore you at the same time. Sure. But if you're silent, they're forced to watch you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. And I, I seem to remember uh, Rudy Kobe did a lot of stuff with Marilyn Manson and. Yes. He, too, well, that's right? because he was his stage manager. Like he felt that's why he went away from magic. He was probably making more money being a stage manager and creating effects for Manson. Huh? Yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll have to get that guy on my show. <laughs> oh, oh man. Good that, luck, that right? will, no, no, he would totally do it. It would be a, he's, he loves to, he's, he's a good, he loves to tell stories and he has oh, some good my ones. Gosh. <laughs> All watch right, his, next, watch next his ping, contact. <laughs> watch his penguin live lecture. It's like four hours. It's insane. What is it? Penguin? Penguin live. Their, uh, oh, the oh, oh pe- Penguin they, yeah. Live, okay. Yeah, Got he it. did one, and it was four hours long. It was Man. nuts. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Two things on my uh, on my checklist here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good stuff. Now, I, I realize this may seem kind of like a, uh, a uh, obvious answer to this question, but how do you differentiate yourself from others in your genre? I wear a hat. <laughs> and it's no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's – well, aside from just doing the entire silent stuff, I have an identity <laughs> – uh, that is, uh, that is different from everybody else. And that's one thing I realized is you should have an identity because magician is a job de- description, not an identity. And so I have a look, uh, that is, that is unique to myself. And that's really the best way to stand out is to look different, uh, from everyone else, you know, have be your, again, this goes back to be whoever you are. Like I wear a trench coat on stage cause I wear a trench coat in real life. You know, it's, I wear a fedora in real life. I wear a fedora on stage. So I'm very true to who I am. Even I mean, there are performers who do the opposite. And it works for them. Going back to talk about Rudy Kobe, mm-hmm. he he has the lab man character. Obviously, he doesn't walk around in a lab coat all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time I've seen him, he's in one, but that doesn't mean he doesn't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, 
but you know he's not a he's not a, he's not lab man off stage but for some people that having a character works mm-hmm. and then for uh other people uh like myself it's it's good to be yourself and just like or and in my case ramped up theatrically right right so it that's that's and also the material choice of material uh, you know I don't do linking rings <laughs> <laughs> and if I did nope. they'd be on fire <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Good stuff. So can you uh, maybe point out something that's worked really good for you in growing your business? Uh, well, which business? I've got like three of them technically. I've got magic products, I've got performing, and I've got prop building. True. Let's talk about performing. All right. Uh, just being out there, getting out and being seen. You know, I, I tell I tell young performers all the time, to be seen, you have to be seen. You know, go out there and perform. Uh, when you're younger, everywhere you can. As you get older, you can be a little more picky and ask for more money. Right. But uh, it, yeah, it really is just getting out there, and making connections. Because in Vegas, it's the whole entertainment business is like this. But Vegas is because it's such a small town of professionals and and people. It's really about who you know, and it's so you can and but but to, and for people to see you and be, you know a gig will come up, they'll be like, oh, I saw this guy. He'd be perfect for this. But if they didn't see you, they'd never know about it. Right. So it's about it's about as getting in, in front of as many people as possible and without stepping on as few toes as possible, in my opinion. Like there's a lot of performers who get out there, but they have made a lot of people angry doing it. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. The uh, the people you climb over on the way to the top are the pe- yes. same people you're going to see on the way back down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that and but yeah, so that's that's kind of just being just being a proficient performer and going out there and doing things and just talking to people. And, and not being a dick to them, really, <laughs> is what has helped me quite a bit. Being professional? Yes, there you go. <laughs> Maybe that's a better term for it. Nice. So I, I would like to uh, kind of move into a little bit of uh, your approach to creativity and uh, you know maybe a little bit about your coaching. Um, how do you come up with the stuff that you do, Bizarro? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, as as the name of my current lecture I'm doing is called, it's is it, I usually start out with the thought in my brain of, wouldn't it be funny if? Hmm. Uh, because I think of the effect first. I think to myself, oh, it'd be really great if if you took a jumbo coin, you peeled it open, it was chocolate inside. Aha, that'd be awesome. And uh, and then so that's kind of what happens is because I know enough outside of magic. Like I learn uh, one of the things I tell people in my lecture is learn about the world around you, learn what's out there, learn about materials and 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 processes and things that aren't in magic because magic's not always the answer. And so for me, uh, the effect comes first because I know I can create a method. I'll, I'll figure something out. I have enough confidence in myself to, uh, to do that. And again, I'm stubborn. I won't give up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So are there any exercises that you use to boost your creativity or, you know, get your mental juices going? I get in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you sing. And uh, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I've, there's a few places. Like I've noticed there are certain times I tend to create ideas. Like I'm more creative than others. Uh, and one of them is the shower. I've created a lot of things while I'm in the shower. Uh, and sometimes I've had ideas right as I'm going to sleep or right as I'm waking up. And, you know, I, I think you should be aware, not actually go to those places to be creative because creativity just strikes you whenever it wants to is that you can't just sit down. You can cre- you can sit down and write and think up to ideas. But when true creativity hits you, it's, it's just whenever it feels like it. And so uh, just I always tell people, be aware of where you're creative. Pay attention to that so you're more open to it and you won't fight it. You'll just be like, oh, great. OK, I got this. 
uh, like for yeah, you know, and, and then I also have like I always have a pen on me. I have scraps of paper, and you know, mo- everybody's smartphone has a notepad. There's no excuse to not jot down ideas when they come to you because they will. You will forget them. <laughs> right, right, and uh, the fact that everybody has their phone within a foot of them at all times these days. Yes, which makes me angry when people don't answer the phone when I know when I see them living <laughs> on. It's like I know that phone is sitting next to you and you're ignoring me. That's a good point. Wow, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> so, uh when you when you coach people on their acts, what what would you say is the most common issue or obstacle that you encounter? Uh being a magician, <laughs> thinking like a magician, uh, because okay. <laughs> ma- magic is very incestuous. It, like if we, we see something, we go, Oh, that's how it's done. And we do it. And there's a lot of, I see acts all the time that are like, spend wait, like 30 seconds showing a, a silk. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, people got, it was empty though. Like within the first five seconds, I don't, I, I mean, obviously and it's like, Oh, I see why you're doing it. So your, your arm can disappear behind your back for to steal something. I got it. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's just being unnatural, being having your props not make sense, not connecting with the audience in any way. Okay, stuff like that. You know, it's just there are there are simple things, and and each each act, everybody's there's always something different. There's no one common thread. But generally, I, a lot of times I see an act, and I'm just sitting there going, "It's like you're thinking like a magician," because yeah. because that's what you know. And uh, it's sometimes, and if you watch the guys who. You know, if you watch the performers who are who are famous for what they do or well known, I don't even mean magicians. I mean everybody: comedians, jugglers, actors, singers, whatever. You know, you look at them and see what they're doing, and then look at what you're doing and see why you're not doing why why they're there and you're not. Hmm. So, what what would you say are some good ways that you can uh, better connect with your audience? Uh, well, it depends. If you're a talking act or a silent act, like if you're a hmm. if you're a silent act, generally you want to use like I have a I have a, a a creativity exercise kind of and or a way of thinking that is if you give the audience a little bit of truth they believe a great big bunch of bs like they will follow you down a giant lie if they have one <laughs> tiny hook it could be the tiniest thing they have the ti- they have a little bit of a hook and that hook could be anything it can be a concept uh it can be a, a prop that makes sense like my um like everything in my silent act is something people have seen it's not i don't whip i don't whip out anything they've never, they've never seen before right uh they uh, like cups and balls. If you're gonna do cups and balls, use solo cups and then a ping pong ball because beer pong. Everybody knows what that is. I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm just saying use stuff people know or recognize or tell them. Give them a reason while you're using them. Be like these were handed down to me through through my, my generation of performing family. This, these are heirlooms. That's you know blah blah. Get, I mean, and that, mind you, that could be cheesy depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you give them a hook of an, and a reason for a prop or a concept to exist, it really helps. And and that does and that helps in talking as well. I have a friend who is a steampunk magician out in uh, out in California, and all his stuff. He's like he's a he's a he. We say mad scientist, but mad in the case of he's just kind of like you know screw screw the laws of the proper laws of nature. Let's just do it. He's not he's not like crazy. He's just you know more like carefree. You know, but carefree scientist doesn't doesn't sound you know as as, as funny. But so he but he actually talks about real things in science. He talks about uh, Schrodinger's cat. He talks and he explains it to people. He talks mm-hmm. about this thing called Delambre. This scientist called Delambre and, and teleportation. So people are like, oh okay. So it's it's interesting the different ways you can go. You can help people understand and be with you because if the audience is with you, they're with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is uh, curious. Is that uh, William Draven you're talking about? Or? Uh, no, Dino Stats. Dino Stats. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, William Draven is more sideshow than and uh, the uh, more than anything. 
Right. Yeah, I, I've seen him a few times over there uh, in in the museum and uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing his thing. <laughs> so, could you tell us uh, maybe one thing that people could do right now that would make a big difference in their performances? Uh, well, uh, some of the stuff we already talked about is like ha- having an identity. You know, like just you know have a you know just you know go out there and find out what makes you unique, and uh, so it'll set you apart. Uh, don't. Uh, don't uh, don't insult your audience's intelligence. That's a big problem I have. Like I w- I just got onto somebody for this the other day. We we're sitting around a table, and this guy's showing somebody something. And he goes, "Okay, let me try something." I'm like, "Do not say let me try something because that makes it sound like you don't know what you're doing." <laughs> don't say stupid things that 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 you know are lies. You yeah. know, It'd just be like, "Here, let me show you a card trick." You know, it's like, "Oh, I'm going to show you something cool I learned." It's like hype it up a little bit. Uh, don't be like, "Oh, let's try some." I don't know if it's going to work. Really, you know, if it's going to work, don't insult me. <laughs> oh man. I, I've seen performers talk down to an audience like they're like they're like they're doing a children's party, you know? Yeah. Talk to your audience like they're normal people. Yeah. I, I think uh, all of us magicians are uh guilty of saying that let me try something. Oh sure. I, well it's and it's it, and it go that's in the same vein of saying stuff like I will now shuffle this ordinary deck of cards. Yes. <laughs> it's like don't say stuff like that. Don't the audience has eyes and while both while a lot of people are stupid, they're not that stupid. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, Bizarro, could you maybe tell us an interesting story that you've encountered during your performance career? In what way? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it could be anything, uh, something, maybe something that's happened to you, or maybe something you've seen somebody else uh, experience, something out of the ordinary. Uh, oh, well, I'll tell you about the, the time I went on a sideshow tour and the bus tried to kill us all. That'd be fun. Hey, yeah, let's do uh, that one. <laughs> so... I have traveled twice now and converted school buses to go on different tours, one with a band and one with a, a sideshow troupe uh, named the Crispy Family Circus uh, there out of Oklahoma. We started in Texas, worked our way up to Pennsylvania to go do a thing called the Sideshow Gathering, which is a big sideshow convention that used to go on. And they, this bus did, did, was not having it. It, it hated us. Uh, and, and it was evident by the fact that the, uh, the, the brake line broke a lot. <laughs> Uh, the gasoline pedal got jammed open while I was driving a bus for the first time and had to take a curve at a red light at like 40 miles an hour coasting. That was fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, a wire a wire got uh, got hit by a table and then it got cut and then it caught uh, the bus on fire and destroyed my tie-dye blanket. That, that was very sad. Uh, wow. The pro- propane line broke and we were like, everybody off the bus. Don't smoke. Uh, and what was the, there was a couple other whack. Oh, a flat, flat tire. Yeah. Uh, we were, we were broke. I've got pictures of all this somewhere. Uh, <laughs> we were broken down outside of this, like this old, this Texaco, this abandoned Texaco station that was being used by squatters and, and homeless people. And we were sitting there going, why is there underwear everywhere? It was the weirdest thing. And so we eventually made it up to Pennsylvania way later than we planned on. And we just we considered making shirts that just said "Death Trap 2007 Tour" because that's what it was. <laughs> the fact that none of us died was a miracle. Oh my uh, gosh! And and that's the joy of touring. <laughs> I, I bet. How many? How many uh, of there were you? Uh, one. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, five or six. I think five. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, like one time, the other time we tried to go to a. We were going from Texas to Las Vegas, Nevada, to do a wedding. And we were on a converted school bus. The bus broke down constantly. And we broke down, ironically, finally, in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Ha ha. <laughs> Hilarious. There was eight of us. 
on this bus. <laughs> And it was hilarious. And apparently they decided that if we break down somewhere in the middle of nowhere and they're forced to eat somebody, I go first because I must be magically delicious. Uh, so that was uh, – <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've uh, – yeah, I mean and there, if you, I'll tell you some of the best stories come from doing long tours because you get – people get bored. They start messing – like I did three months in the Grand Canyon and we just – by the end of it, we were, we were getting punchy and just doing crazy stuff to amuse ourselves on stage. Wow. Yeah. What was one of the crazy things that you did? Uh, um, I myself, I, I didn't deviate much. It was the stuff I convinced other people to do. Uh-huh. Like, you were the instigator. Oh, man, always. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the idea guy. Uh, there was a – because dinner theater, I don't know if you've ever done dinner theater. It is rough because people generally won't applaud because their hands and mouth are full of food and utensils. Okay. And, they, and they don't care. Yeah. They really don't care. And so there were there were many times where I felt like I was being paid to rehearse. But uh, one of the times – so there's a song called Silvery Moon. It's a kind of a westerning sound, westerny tune. And uh, two of our actors would go out and dance around. And me and one of the guys got this idea. So there's a line in the song that says like uh, something about a spoon. I don't know. I forget the line. But he had a spoon in his back pocket. They're dancing. And all of a sudden he says something about something spoon. And he pulls out this spoon, holds it up for the girl and goes, what? You mean like this? And they both freeze, <laughs> totally forgetting. Like she, she, this girl seldom broke. She broke hard, <laughs> and they're both standing there for what felt like eternity. And she, he's like, "We're gonna keep going." <laughs> he sounds like we're getting, supposed to be singing. And she's like, "Oh!" And they go back into the song. And I, th- I'm sure the audience <laughs> could hear me and the tech crew laughing so loud and, and from the back. We, we we could not help ourselves. It was fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, it's you have to amuse yourself, man. It's just what of you course. do. Of course. And that's the kind of story I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to anybody who worked on the World's Greatest Magic Show uh, when it was here in Vegas. They've got oh, some weird stories. Right, right, uh, or right. uh, a few people when they when – they, uh, the Illusionarium. Uh, the, uh, John Shaw, the, the guy who's the head, uh, head tech uh, stage manager type guy out there. Mm-hmm. He's got some wonderful stories of screwing with Jeff Hobson and some of the other guys. <laughs> John Shaw, huh? Yeah, John Shaw. He's a sideshow magician performer guy who li- who's lived out here, but he's from New York, and he uh, he's he's like uh, he he's he uh, he's seen the when Vegas was good for magic. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Oh man. Whew. Well, thanks for sharing those uh, those stories. That was kind oh, of sure. like a a story broken off onto another story kind of thing. Yeah, I do that. I ramble. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not all, not at all. It's uh, it's good fun. Well, looking at your career so far, would you say that you've made it? Uh, I, I I would. You know, uh, there are people people measure success is subjective to each person. And, of course. And while one person would look at my life and not think I'm successful, I feel that I am. You know, I feel like I can support uh, myself and my wife. In a, in a two bedroom apartment by ourselves. To me, the, the fact that I have more than one zero in my bank account amazes me. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so, so, yeah, no, the fact that I can you know, live, live comfortably for the first time ever in a long time and uh, I, I get to perform, do what I want and make my own hours and, and I can also, you know, help other people. I, I feel successful whether or not, but you know, there's people who would look at me and be like, oh, you live in an apartment. That's how that's not success. It's like bite me. <laughs> yeah, and then you ask them. So, what time do you got to get up in the morning for work, huh? Right. Well, I'm uh-huh. even talking about other. I'm even talking about other performers. Oh, you know, okay. there, there are other. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yes, no, for sure. It's like I dated. I man, I used to date girls who like wanted me to be miserable too, and thought I should get a real job. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, for sure. 
You be miserable like the rest of us, young man. <laughs> yeah, and wear a suit. Uh, well, you know, Ugh. only if they pay me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, is there anything you would have done differently up to this point? No, because everything good or bad leads you to the point where you are. Okay. You know, if you believe in if you believe in that time travel stuff, one one minor incident could throw your entire life off off out, out the door. Hmm. One flap of the butterfly's wings, right? Yes, thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, what what's your what's your favorite part about being a uh, a magician right now? <laughs> right now, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right this very second uh it could be uh in general i guess uh, I don't know. <laughs> well no, i i all the time you know i ask people because what gets you into magic and why you stay are two different things uh you know you're, there's the you know, when you first get into it it's it's because oh it's cool or you know it's like oh or it's because you weren't hugged enough as a child whatever i don't know what your reason is but when some people get into it for power some people are like oh i feel powerless oh nobody pays attention to me i will have this power that nobody else will have it'll be amazing and and then you eventually you stay in it like for myself i stay in magic because i genuinely like entertaining people and making them happy and screwing with them at the same time you know, it's the same reason I like to work in haunted houses too. So, yeah. um, but that's, that's for me, the reason is I really, I genuinely like to entertain people and I like to create, you know, I, I like to make art. That's my main goal. Like my, when I release magic products, the, my, my, my reason for releasing it, like money is the, maybe the third thing. Like it's never, money is never my reason for releasing things, uh, from, uh, product wise and performing too. Like I have done, you know, I've done things for very little money cause I believe in them or I really, really wanted to do them. Like many of us have, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it's just, I, I just really enjoy being a magician. Like I love magic. I don't like all the magicians I know, but I love magic. It's a great, it's a great thing. And it's, it's a problem solving thing. Like it's the same reason I do video editing and graphic design for me. I love the aspect of going, okay, how do we make this happen? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the allures for, for me. Okay. You just like being creative. Yes. It, it, yes. It's. It, it it fills me with great joy to create things. <laughs> awesome. So could you recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners? And this could be anything from an iPhone app to, you know, good old paper and pen. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. I've got a – if we're running – like if we're talking about apps, I've, there's a great app that I actually uh, became a beta tester for because I liked it so much. It's uh, called Go Button, and it's a way to run your – it's a show queue program. That is cheaper than than show cues because they're damned expensive, and uh, this one's like twenty bucks. And I they actually have a lot of cool features, and they work with uh, the, some of the wireless, a lot of the wireless remote controls that are out there, and you can customize the remote to it, so you can choose what buttons do what. And so for me, being able to run my own music because I'm because I am a solid performer is actually much easier than having somebody else try to remember a bunch of cues when they don't know your show. Yeah. And so for me, I use that. All extensively uh, to be able, and the nice thing is the remote system I use, which is called iJet. Uh, you can tether multiple remotes to the little uh, little dongle, the plug-in thing, and so I've got probably about three remotes in my show spread throughout the stage because there are times when I have to be holding a prop that I can't go to my pocket, so I have to be able to activate it from the prop as well, and that comes in really handy. So those two, with those powers combined, uh, it's it's a, it's quite it's made my life a lot easier. Wow. Now, is that uh, available on the iPhone or Android or uh, only only iPhone? Only There's iPhone. I cannot find there are there as far as I know there is no really uh, I, I think show cues might actually work on i uh, on uh, but on uh, what do you call it uh, Android? But other than that, there are no good show cue 
programs out there that are cheap. Like if you don't have the budget for a $90 app and you need something <laughs> cheap, there is nothing good on the Android. But yeah. for I, iPhone, uh, you've got uh, – and of course, if you can't drop like fifteen hundred dollars on a media star from Carrie Pollock, you know. So. <laughs> oh, you know, I'll just pull that out of my sleeve, you know. Yeah, I mean, and if and here's the thing: if you reach that point where you can afford that, it pays for itself. Awesome, do it. Right. <laughs> Good for you. You are making better money than me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that that sounds uh, really really cool. That um that app. Is there anything else that you need to use with it? Well, I mean, you have to be able to plug it into a into a soundboard, but okay, okay. or yeah, speakers. But other than that, no, it all runs right off the. And on the iPad, it even has a sound effect board. So if you have a sound person who knows your show, yeah. you can just hit it and let it go, and it'll it you can it'll fade things. It'll do what's called ducking cues, where if like you hit mm-hmm. this one, it'll silence other tracks, and it's it it is it is a really good program. And I got involved early on because uh, I was like, hey, could you can I, I did some feature requests and I said, this is great, but the, the remote the remote functions to be better. I'd like to see this. If you need a beta tester, let me know. So who, he threw me on there and I've helped them debug it quite a bit. And wow. it's fun to be able to do that. And, and be, you know, you, I use I love to, I like using technology stuff like I use I use Photoshop and Premiere quite a bit to make my own because I, I make all my own videos and mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And they're they're pretty good actually. I mean, uh, I was. Uh, I, is it your demo reel where where it keeps showing uh, like the the screen and the cards and you're kind of panning into the cards and stuff like that? Uh, that was one of that's an old close up video I, I okay. made uh, about five years ago just for fun. That wasn't ever it was never intended for anything other than just for the heck of it. <laughs> uh, but yes, I uh, I plan on. I uh, sorry, I got distracted for a minute. Uh, uh, right. Shiny <laughs> objects, right? Yes, Shiny. indeed. <laughs> uh, my wife was showing me something. Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, I don't. know. What was I talking about? I just totally got distracted by something from Jurassic Park. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Them Velociraptors, man. Uh, no, we were no, talking it about was your uh, your close-up video. Oh right, yeah. So it was made for fun. <laughs> I've considered remaking it, but I'm not a close-up guy. I don't advertise that, so it's not something I focused on. Okay. Got it, got it. And uh, one more time, what was that app called? Uh, Go Button. Go Button. Yes. Awesome. I, I will link up to that, by the way, in the show notes. Oh, good. And that will be, uh, you'll be able to find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Bizarro, and that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-O. Yes, yes. So make sure to uh, clarify that. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thank you for, for spelling it right. I've had some... I've seen some spectacular misspellings of my stage name. Yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna have the the comic artist uh, come up. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> a little <laughs> well, bit later, and that'll be that's Dan Perraro. Right? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Well, that's the thing. I didn't know. Like when I was a kid, I was thirteen when I came up with that stage name. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how to spell it. I didn't. I didn't know there was a Superman villain. And I don't think Perraro had started his series yet. I don't think he had. I think because I. I don't think. I think that came out just slightly later. But yeah, when I found out the correct spelling, I went because uh, I remember. I remember thinking to myself, "How is this spelled? Is it two Z's or two R's?" Yeah. And I and I was a fan of ZZ Top growing up, so I always liked their double Z. <laughs> so I went, "I'm going to do two Z's because my parents are hippies." Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. And instead of the spinning guitars, you have the right. spinning eyeball. That's right. Yes. It, it fits perfectly. Yes. <laughs> We're very close, but not. <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying. I'm grasping at straws here, Bizarro. Come on, no. <laughs> <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone. Right, preferably the one from your fish tie. Right. Yes. Uh, so re- recommend uh, two books for us, if you would. One performance specific, and one outside of uh, performance, maybe like a business or a self development book, if you would. 
Um, uh, in magic, I, I always will recommend performing style books. Uh, I think one, one that does not get talked about very much is called Foundations by Eberhard Ries, uh, who's a German uh, coach who has helped a lot of the FISM winners in, in the past. And the one of the main reasons is he actually talks about lighting. Like nobody, Maximum Entertainment's great and all these yeah. other, like the Fitzky trilogy, but he, this is the only one that talks about lighting, how to light your props and has pictures and stuff. Uh, so I, I like that book. A lot of these, a lot of the performing books tend to say the same thing. And if you've been performing for any number of years before you read those books, you just kind of go, yeah, well, duh. Right, because <laughs> you've already found out everything the hard way. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's you can find if anybody ever says, oh, list good perf- books on showmanship and performance, and everybody's like, oh, Fitzky and Maximum Entertainment and mm-hmm. the, all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, Foundations, Upper Heart Reese, and they're like, what? <laughs> uh, and then. There's uh I don't honestly I don't read much outside I don't I'm not a reader I've never okay. been a big reader however there is some there is there are some books I know of that I can there's a a book called The Tipping Point are you familiar with that I have heard that one is that right uh, I don't remember the artist uh, the artist I'm sorry I don't remember the author I want to say it's oh my gosh. I want to say Malcolm Gladwell, but I'm. If not only sure. we had the internet directly <laughs> know, right? in front of us, <laughs> I I bet we could figure it out. Which we're somehow. skyping through the internet. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing how how the yeah. I'm just gonna look it up real quick. It yeah. it, it is Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. I, I had to wait for my browser to come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you um. Know, now all this bandwidth. Yes. The one thing, like, there's a concept in there that actually applies to magic quite a bit. And it could be for anything. It could be for your performing. It could be for your business. It could be for anything. And the concept of the tipping point is there's this, your, your, whatever it is you're working on is right there. It's at a point where it's almost all fallen into place. And there's this one tiny thing that when you think of it or you find it, the whole thing just falls, it tips over, lands, and falls into place. Uh, and I've had that happen for me in my shows. And the thing is, like, I always knew the concept, but never had a, a, a way to describe it. And when somebody explained, told me about it, I was like, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. We'll go with that. <laughs> and so, yeah, the tipping point, I think, is has been told, has been uh, written, recommended uh, quite a few times to me. Uh, and the concept, as it was explained to me, seems right as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm. Awesome. And the, these books also will be linked up in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, now, Bizarro, could you go ahead and give us one piece of parting advice for our listeners? Oh, man. Uh, don't eat too much bacon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, the uh, bacon you want, Oreos, it's awesome. Right? Yeah. No, no, oh, man. <laughs> that is... I have to be careful with that trick because I remember when I came up with it, I was like, I need to keep, it's like, I need to stop buying Oreos. This is bad. (laughs) You'll notice that a lot of my magic is food based. (laughs) Uh, I go with what I know. (laughs) Including the glue, right? Yes, of course. Going back to the second grade, of course, right? (laughs) Yes. You know, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. When I was in kindergarten, the teacher told told a kid, don't eat the paste. And I'm sitting there going, why would you eat the glue? That seems silly. And I I dipped my finger in and I tried it. I went, Okay, this why would you do this? This is retarded, kid. What are you Yeah, don't eat the paste. That's weird. (laughs) Sorry. Probably the most uh uh dare I say normal thing about you. (laughs) Well, I have I have said I am the white sheep of my family, so (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, wow, party, your family must be very interesting. Uh, yeah, well, they are. <laughs> uh, parting advice, you know, I mean, I could, I, I have a lot of the advice I could give is, is has been said by numerous people. If you know, as a performer, if you're uh, just starting out, go and perform everywhere you can. I include, you know, I've, I, when I was younger, I performed in a women's correctional facility family day. You know, that was weird. Uh, you know, perform all sorts of places if you're, and if you're an older, uh, older uh, performer, so, you know, uh, maybe take some acting or movement lessons because I've seen some performers who could use them. Hmm. Uh, but honestly, the you know, big good piece of advice is what I've already given is you know, you know, be whoever you are and uh, don't be a jerk to people. And we come full circle. Yes, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Well, finally, tell us where we can find you online. Plug your services and any products you might uh, want to plug. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, the uh, my main website is smapduda.com, and and if you don't want to if you don't want to figure out the spelling of that, you can go to opticalillusionist.com, or if you want to be funny, you can go to my website is hard to spell dot com. <laughs> <laughs> did you really register that domain name? I did indeed. <laughs> That's awesome, <laughs> uh, and that's my main website, which which is it's been recently redesigned as of this year. Uh, you know, that's another thing. Keep uh, if you're gonna you you, you want to look professional. So if you can't if you if you can't do it yourself, if it doesn't look like everybody else's website, if it looks like it was made in uh, Windows ninety five, shill out some money to have somebody else make something nice for you. Video graphics, everything, because I. I see people who get stuff cheap because they just don't want to spend the money and it looks like it. And it's, there's a phrase I see online and it's, and it's, uh, uh, what is it? Good work isn't cheap. Cheap work isn't good. Mm. And if you think, and the other one is if you think hiring a professional is expensive, wait until you hire an amateur. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but anyway, so, uh, the other websites, uh, my store website is bizarromatic.com, uh, where you can buy my products and then I have my prop making website, which will eventually be redesigned in the coming year, and that is bizarrobydesign.com as well. So uh, those are my those are my three main things. And at some point, I'm waiting on some artwork. I have a, I have a brand new idea to uh, for a uh, my a website called bizarrovision.tv where I'm going to have downloads and stuff. But that will be that's going to be probably later in the year. So. Sounds like fun. Yes. Now, are, are you on uh, Facebook or Twitter? Oh, of, of course. Yeah, you can find me on my main website. I have all the links. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I'm on YouTube, Instagram, pretty much every name. You can find me if you just type in Smap Duda to most most social media, you'll find me. Right. And that's uh, S-M-A-P-P-D-O-O-D-A? Right, and if you okay. and if you want and if you want to know the story behind where that word comes from, go to the miscellaneous section of my website. There's a <laughs> link that explains the whole thing. Perfect. <laughs> well, uh, Bizarro, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing your experience. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. I'm. Just, I was happy to be asked. Hey, have a have a wonderful evening. You too. Hey there, this is your host, Chris Shepard, wrapping things up. I really hope that you're enjoying these free podcasts. If you are, I'd really appreciate it if you go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com, click on the subscribe on iTunes tab at the top to be taken to the iTunes store where you can leave a rating and a review. Don't forget that I'll give a shout out by name to anyone who leaves a five-star rating. Now, go out there and make your dreams happen. 
Yeah, that sounds awesome. We'll go with that. 